Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. With Mike Kegley and Brad Sturdy, I'm Larry Smith. With a little history lesson to start off our show, October 22nd, 2011, the Illini lose at Purdue amidst rumors that their head coach, who had just guided them to a 6-0 start, would be booted at season's end. The loss in West Lafayette was their second in a row, and at 6-2, they fell out of the rankings, never to return until this past Sunday. And those six wins to start that season 11 years ago, that's a high-water mark matched and never surpassed only twice in the decade that followed, which is why all of your orange and blue friends for the past week and neighbors, they've all been celebrating. Fellas, Illinois, this week ranked 24th in the nation heading into the Minnesota game. You know, and you know what's even more amazing is after they lost to Indiana, no one thought this was going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think there's one person who thought Illinois was going to be ranked at this point after the loss to Indiana. Um, but, you know, they... They've really persevered. I mean, they, they were great at Wisconsin, obviously, and uh, but against Iowa, they they had they lose their quarterback, they lose their star wide receiver, they lose you know a starting cornerback. I mean, the guys just injured, banged up, found a way, but they found a way. The kicker's out, the kicker's out even, and they have to kick game winning field goals. So because nobody can score a touchdown in the Illinois Iowa game. So, um, but yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do. I mean, really. Testament to Brett Bielema and the toughness of the squad and and the, and all the coaches. Yeah, it seems like this team is actually going and really resembling their coach and their coaching staff. Uh, it's kind of a, a staff that is tough-minded, uh, very uh, focused on execution, and very disciplined. And the team is starting to play more and more like that every week. Well, and I think it the, the culture, even to, and we're going to hear from Brett Bielema here in a moment, um, even his uh, press conferences are lighter. Um, you know, the, the players are bought in and what a difference in a year. I, I'm with you. I didn't think this would happen in year two. I, I thought maybe year three, you get to this point. Now, we don't know where we're going to head, where we're heading from here. Uh, we do know that unlike 2011, the head coach has the backing of his athletic director. Uh, and everyone's on the same page moving forward. So, you know, that certainly is an advantage. But um, I think just for Illini Nation, um, and, and now will the fans, we just put up a thing about, um, you know, Bielema is building it. Now will the fans come? And and that's the next thing here with homecoming. Here's a chance to be a part of this. But, you know, I think that's, that's what I, I think for Illinois fans, take a moment to enjoy this because it has been so long. Think about it. These players, some of them were in grade school the last time Illinois was ranked. And, and so that's where you've got to, again, change the culture, not just in locker room, but also around the fan base. Thanks. I, I feel even older now. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but, yeah. It's a, you know, and that is part of it, whether it's energizing the fan base or also in recruiting too. Illinois hasn't been relevant for so long in football that there's been little blips, but they just haven't been relevant and, and until they're consistently relevant. And, and Josh Whitman. So I got a chance to talk to Josh Whitman about this this week. And he said, basically, they have to increase their season ticket base because you aren't going to sell 30,000 tickets in a week. And so as that season ticket base increases, then you can, you know, you can sell 10,000 tickets in a week if you want to get to a sellout. But you got to increase the base of season tickets. Yeah. And, and look, you know, last time they were ranked, I was 44. Now I'm 55. 
I don't want to wait till I'm 66 again to see this. <laughs> and so I'm very happy that we've got the coaching staff in place and Josh Whitman has put this, uh, you know, group together. Now it's a matter of them um, getting um, these things done and staying at this level. And I have a lot of faith that, that they can do that. And Larry, you pointed out having the athletic director on the same level uh, and, and on the same path, pulling the rope in the same direction is so important. Yeah. You know, I, I hate when you get in a situation where you have some fans rooting for the coach, for the team to fail. So the coach will be out and, and that's not happening. So um, you know, that's, that's the, the great thing. And you're exactly right that so many people said, Oh, we should get to 60,000. Well, when you're, when you've, when you've got 37,000, 35,000 a game to your point, Brad, you're not getting to 20,000 next, you know, 20,000 extra tickets next week. Um, you know, and it was amazing to hear last week, Brett Bielema talk about, he re- referred the crowd about the crowd Saturday night after the game. And again, Monday during his, his, his weekly press conference talked about the crowd. It was only 44,000. It was only, I think 3,500 more than the previous high for an Illinois game under in the Bielema era. And that was the season opener, home opener against Nebraska last year. So if you get to 44,000 and sell an extra 5,000 tickets, what can you do this weekend? And so we look forward to a bigger crowd. It is homecoming. Illinois hasn't had a crowd over 50,000 since 2011. The last time that they were relevant. That's the last time you had a crowd of that. Can that happen this time? We'll see. They had the big promotion earlier this week, uh, $24 tickets. And so we'll see if they can uh, get some folks in the stands to create some more noise. And maybe people sample the product, they will then uh, come back to your point and um, and buy season tickets next year because there's a program I think that at least is trending for the first time in a long time in the right direction. So Illinois versus Minnesota, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. from Memorial Stadium. We've got lots to talk about regarding this game. Uh, also some key games around the Big Ten as the divisional races starting to take shape just a little bit, just a little, but we'll talk about that. Uh, this was also a Big Ten media days week in Minneapolis. Mr. Sturdy uh, had a front row seat. What was that experience like? It's pretty cool. I mean, the, the Illinois uh, DIA decided that since that nobody was really going to go to Minneapolis from the Illinois beat, so they packed up the uh, the old jet and threw a few of us, uh, one person from each outlet, got to head up to Minneapolis and fly on the private jet with the coaches, and then uh, you know spent about. It was like a, it was less than 24 hours. It was pretty much a whirlwind thing, but it, w- it was really cool. I mean, it's really a good thing to do. Uh, we got a lot of, obviously a lot of content there on IlliniGuys.com, but also it's just cool to, you know, kind of get that interaction with the coaches and players and, and uh, the DIA people that wasn't maybe uh, public, I guess. So it was, it was a really good event. And of course, Brad missed out on the incredible beef jerky giveaway the next day. <laughs> But, folks, we are putting Brad through some counseling. He's getting through it. He'll be okay. <laughs> it is a slap in the face, though, right? I mean, hey, listen, for those within, in the media, the swag bags are kind of it. We kind of expect that. So yeah. you do feel slighted. I, I felt bad for you when I saw that. That Day two had turkey and day one didn't. Yeah, all I got's a clear bag, I guess, and a, and a Big Ten Network hat or a Big Ten hat. And so I guess that was all I got. But I, the beef jerky, I mean, they were taking three bags of that stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's high dollar beef jerky. I mean, I, I like my jerky, you know, so, so the, mess, the message out to our viewers uh, or listeners is if you, um, if you want to bribe Brad 
it just needs to be food and approximately three pounds will win you win him over <laughs> yeah, three pounds of beef jerky and i'll give you all the inside <laughs> info yeah don't don't come with a single bag yes get that you got stuff out of here go, that's right yeah go big or go home that's right you, you know it baby that's right well we will have uh, more on media days also brad sit downs with preseason all big 10 pick terrence shannon jr and veteran forward coleman hawkins that's a bit later this hour uh right now a short break and then it's the illini and the goal Coach Bielema's thoughts, and then we'll break down this Big Ten West matchup with Matt Stevens. All that's just ahead. Settle back. We're just getting started here on the Sports Spectacular. This segment of the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, presented by Busey Bank, proud sponsor of Fighting Illini Sports. Illini head coach Brett Bielema didn't like that the team only won five games in his first season. Well, he's already matched that number with half a season to go here in 2022. Ranked 24th in the nation and hosting Minnesota for homecoming. Bielema talking this week about a number of things, starting with how he learned about Gophers head coach P.J. Fleck. You know, um, P.J. just does a really good job. Um, You know, if you look at his staff, a lot of these guys are people that have been with him for a long time or have now come back with him. I think uh, much to the same as I assemble my staff. uh, a lot of guys that I've been around in the past, which means, A, that they, they I think they like their head coach, working for their head coach, and it, you can see in the way their kids play. I learned a lot about P.J. Uh, in the most roundabout way, right? So uh, I'm at New York, and we draft a, a young man by the name of Carter Coughlin. Um, and Carter, um, uh, probably to this day, and I only got to coach him for, you know, about a half a season with the Giants, but one of the most enjoyable kids I'd ever been around. Um, Coaching-wise, well, in the NFL, we don't bet, all right, but we make wagers. Um, and so I had bet Carter um, on the, ironically, the Iowa-Minnesota game because at the time I was working for the Giants, right? So uh, I took the talk- Hawks and he took the, uh, uh, obviously, the uh, uh, Gophers and, and um, the Hawks won that game. So he had to wear a, jer- a shirt that I gave him all week, right? And, and uh, um it was kind of funny because on Saturday, uh, 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 which is the night before our game as, a, as an NFL team, he wasn't wearing a shirt. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, the bet was for a week, bro. Tonight's Saturday. That doesn't get you out of it. So he had to wear his punishment another another whole week. Uh, and and uh, that didn't go over well right with him. But um, I just I saw the way he talked about PJ and the way that he talked about um, being in his program. I knew there was a, cement, a, a tremendous amount of sense and pride. Uh, in, in that, and I thought that was a really good indicator of of what they're taught in that program because fundamentally he was a really good player. Um, football IQ-wise, he was a really good player, and he loved his program. So um, I got a lot of respect for P.J. and what he does. Um, said it before, like we're kind of different people, but from a program standpoint, we're probably very similar in a lot of ways. To get 200 rushing yards into that defense, yeah. when they, you know they're going to be keen on you with that. Yeah. What have you seen from your offensive line? Couldn't be happier with their O line, their growth that they had. I thought going into that game last week, that was the that was going to be the uh, the the most uh, challenging offense defensive line that we we're going to face. Defensive line linebackers, thirty one and forty four, really good players. Uh, so for us to gain two hundred yards uh, against that defense uh, is really, I know we got nine points, right? But like like there's been a lot of teams that. Uh, getting that exact same moment can't win that game, right? Sometimes you got to win things in ways that you don't plan. And and uh, to, to to rush for 200, to have a uh, uh, no sacks, um, and, and I know those two critical turnovers were really really uh, 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 you know, disruptive for us, advantageous for them. I think those are things we can really learn from going forward. Um, I told Barry early in the week, right? This is a 
I know they called a lot of games, but these guys are a difficult game. They're they're just a different, difficult team to prepare for, and you have to. Uh, one thing I've learned as a head coach, you have to you have to express that before it's happened. So our players weren't shocked with the way that game unfolded, and neither were our coaches. Coach, last week, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but you went a little viral on social media because your comments about, I think it was the offensive line eating like Golden Corral. Uh, if I may ask, is any has Golden Corral reached out to you or any of your players? Yeah, no, I can't tell you the last time I was at a Golden Corral. Um, <laughs> I couldn't think of any other all-you-can-eat places anymore. Uh, everybody makes fine fun of that, too. Uh, but... Um, no, I just I just know that uh, when I was uh, in college, that was a place I frequented with my family, uh, probably um, budget related and also consumption related. Uh, but um, no, I didn't, I didn't get anything further out of that. I, I just I think our guys are extremely hungry. Um, they're, they're fun to be around. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've enjoyed coaching either before the game, during the game or after the game as much as I have this group. How much does momentum matter as you're trying to build the program then? For those next steps that keep you, that. you know, that, that is a, I know that sometimes I give long-winded answers, but I'm going to take this one and roll. Like, winning affects everything, right? Winning affects um, your program. It affects your recruiting. It affects your uh, retainment of your own roster, which is a way you've never had to think about before, right? So now you got good players that when you're not winning, like a year ago, I was worried guys might bail, right? Um, they had trust and faith in us. Uh, winning affects uh, uh, your your athletic department, winning uh, affects your university, winning affects your community, uh, winning affects TV ratings, winning affects the media, how much you guys, you guys are always here, right? But uh, right now, Brett and I got to sort out every day what we're going to do or not going to do because national media want attention. Um, so it, there's so much positivity in winning, you can't put a quantitative dollar figure on it, right? Like I know Josh and his people will count, you know, like what our ticket sales did, right? And the menu that brought in and the money it brought in. But um, that's why, like Barry Hauser, right? Like to me, Barry Hauser helped us win that game, right? We had uh, a, an offense struggle to get a playoff and had some miscommunication um, backed up back here down this end zone, right? And that was the student section and the band. Like that matters to me. I've I've been through this enough that I know that matters. Um, and then just different things in our athletic department, um, uh, people in our community. Um, it, it's just. Winning helps everything go better, and that's why I, I, I want to ride this uh, ride this wave as long and as high as we possibly can because it'll definitely help us in the future. I, I will say, Brett Bielema just really is comfortable right now, doesn't he? Seem like he's comfortable in his skin and with the program and the where it is and and, and so forth. Just everything is just I, I think it's just different. There's a different vibe, and I can't put my finger on. Obviously, winning is a big part of it, but I, I there's just something different about his whether it's confidence, whether it's yeah, comfort, uh, for lack of a better term. I think, you know, if I had to, you know, guess, I would say he's taken the measure of a lot of the Big Ten coaches and he feels pretty comfortable in his ability to compete. I'm not saying that he thinks he's better than anybody else, but, you know, the man has won the Big Ten West before. He knows what it takes and now he feels like, he can go out there and, and uh, take his team to battle and have a good shot of winning. Well, and, and that's the word I wanted to hit on Mike was, was the word winning that last party just talked about in terms of what winning does and where it starts and where it ends up and how it permeates everything around you and, and how, you know, it just, it, it's just, it's a, and, and we heard it's funny when PJ Fleck and, and, and his, um, first presser after Minnesota was ranked a couple of weeks ago for the first time this season. He said the same thing. It was very similar. He talked about, you know, look, when you're ranked, I mean, it's not a big deal for us, but here's all the things that being ranked does for you. And he kind of went on to, you know, students want to come here and you get, 
you know, smarter students and they do better research. And I mean, it was, and, and it's, it, you know, now does the football team affect how you No, it doesn't, but his point is that there's just an attitude shift. And that's what was really exciting to see, um, you know, this week. And, and I think you're right. And we're going to talk to Matt Stevens here in just a moment. Um, it's neat. It's neat to, to, to see him. You can see he's excited because the locker room is getting to the point of what he's used to. And now you can begin to build some things and actually make some progress. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's just a matter of you're relevant. It's relevance again. I mean, it's relevant to students. It's relevant to national media. It's like basketball team being ranked a football team being ranked basketball team, making the second weekend. Hopefully. I mean, it's just one of those things that going to a bowl game, it's another few weeks of practice, another people talking about you. That's what, this is what it's about. I mean, you got to be in the, in the mix to get to the top. Yeah. And the key thing too, is when they stub their toe against Indiana, this team has come back and they've proved that they learned from that moment when they got into another close game with Iowa, a much better opponent. They came out on the winning end without their starting quarterback. And I think that competency and that um, evolution towards winning, fans see it and it builds confidence. You're exactly right. And, and it goes back to, like you said, this team, this program, 18 months ago, didn't believe they were going to win. They, they lose a, a, a heartbreaker to UTSA in, in week two last week. They lose in September in a similar fashion last minute to Maryland. They, they, they threw one away against Rutgers. The mentality was, well, that we just lost the game. Indiana, they were mad, and they've been mad ever since four-game winning streak and trying to make it five uh, on Saturday. This segment presented by Busey Bank. We certainly appreciate their support. We'll break down this matchup with AlanaGuys.com's football analyst, Matt Stevens. That's next. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys radio network. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. This is David Williams, a leading receiver from the University of Illinois, here on the Illini Guy on Sports Spectacular. Go Illini. Matt Stevens is the football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com and joins us once again to talk about this matchup. Illinois, 24th in the nation. We enjoy saying that, hosting Minnesota. The Illini went into a ranked Gophers house and upset them there last season. The tables are turned this time. Matt, let's start with the injuries. Uh, that's one thing that Illinois has largely avoided. They've lost a couple of key players. But this week, for the first time, it's pretty significant in terms of planning uh, for their opponent. Yeah, their depth gets tested this week for the first time, I think, this season. And, and I, I think they're going to have a new quarterback in Art Sitkowski because I don't foresee that Tommy DeVito is going to be able to play on Saturday. 
and then you've got your starting wide receiver and um, and your starting cornerback are both dealing with concussions. So Randy Ballard is pretty much the only guy I think on campus that's going to know whether or not those guys are going to be eligible to play or not. Um, because I know that this coaching staff and specifically Brett Bielema takes a handoff approach, especially when it comes to concussions and when especially when it comes to actually any injury whatsoever. So um, they're going to be essentially a game time decision because guys, that's how concussions work. Um, Isaac Darkangelo suffered an injury. I'm not exactly sure. I talked to Andy Boo and I, I I'm a bad reporter. I didn't get exactly what's the deal with Dark Darkangelo. But the reason I didn't really was I wanted to focus on, you know, his replacement right now is Kiana and Duglia. Like he's doing a really, really good job. So they've, they've covered the depth there. Um, but and then Caleb Griffin, again, is going to be another game time decision, just like he was on Saturday. And after he kicked the extra point, he just kind of looked over at Sean Snyder and Brett Bielema and said, no, I can't go. So he's still dealing with that groin slash lower body injury that he's been dealing with for the last couple of weeks. And I think that's going to be another game time decision. And I think Josh McCray is still going to be a game time decision. We'll know that later on in the week, but um, maybe, but I, I think Brett Bielen was going to take that probably all the way to Saturday too. So um, those are, those are depth pieces that you're going to need to beat a team like Minnesota. I apologize. Uh, no doubt about it. And especially with your starting quarterback and your starting wide receiver. Matt, we obviously didn't get to see, we saw Art Sikowski complete a lot of passes. Um, there were two really nice throws that he made mm -hmm. down the field. Most of the throws were, you know, sideways, but then he made a cup, you know, obviously a key mistake in the red zone. I think it, yep. and that's where he makes a lot of his mistakes is in the red zone where the windows get tighter and, and you got to make faster decisions, things like that. But is Art Sitkowski able to beat Minnesota on Saturday? This simple question, is he going to be able to do enough offensively to beat Minnesota? Definitely, Brad. I think that what a lot of Illini fans are kind of panicking about right now, I get the sense. Um, but I think that they've, as the week has kind of gone on, the panic has kind of dissipated because I think Illini fans have kind of looked around the country and realized that even at Power 5 schools, quarterbacks like Art Sikowski win games all over the country. Alabama won with a backup quarterback last week. Uh, you know, Barry Lunny and Art is going to be um, an interesting element because I think Barry is, is a process guy and I think he's going to come up with some things that are that Art does really, really well and having the whole week to kind of run things by him and having Art be a film geek is really going to help. I, I think they're going to come up with a proper plan that can help beat them, beat Minnesota and, and, and get them through this homecoming game and get them to the bye week so that maybe Tommy can be helpful for the help, healthy for the game against Nebraska. So the question I have is, uh, Tanner Morgan was all Big Ten second-team quarterback in 2019 under Kurt Shiraka mm -hmm. as his offensive coordinator. And, of course, Kurt's back this year in that same role. Mm -hmm. um, are we going to see the Tanner Morgan of last year? And if not, are the Illini going to be able to force him into some turnovers um, that he hasn't – he's been able to avoid to a large part this season? What I believe Ryan Walters and that defensive crew is, is banking on, Mike, is that you are going to see the Tanner Morgan from last year, and you are not going to see the Tanner Morgan from 2019. The reason is, is that, yes, the OC is back for Minnesota. You know who's not back is Rashad Bateman. And you take those wide receiver elements away from 2019, away from Minnesota, and Tanner Morgan looks very, very human and very, very average. And when, when Illinois realized that on the outside that they were very, very average, then they were able to come with five and six man blitzes. And Isaiah Gay, if you remember, and Owen Carney Jr. had a field day last year. They think they have just as good outside linebackers this year with, you know, uh, Seth Coleman having one of his better games of his career. 
and a really, really, really exciting and talented freshman that they keep playing Gabe Yakis more and more every week. They think that they're just as good on the outside and they're going to come after Tanner Morgan and he's not exactly the greatest athlete in the world. So they think that they, they have the plan to beat Minnesota defensively and that Tanner Morgan and that Minnesota offense is going to have to adjust to them, not the other way around. Man, I've got like 30 seconds. Sure. So much I want, to, I want to ask you, but you brought his name up. How good can Gabe Akis be? I, I'm so – I forget he's a, he's a freshman, true freshman. He is, he is the closest defensive pass rusher, Larry, that I have ever seen at Illinois in my lifetime to Simeon Rice. And it's, it's, oh. it's that I, – I, it, to me, it's that simple. I, I, I think it's, it's an unbelievable – transformation for somebody who wasn't recruited that highly because he, everybody thought he was six feet tall and only 230 pounds. Um, come Aaron, Aaron Henry gets to gets to that high school campus and he's six foot five and he's 250 pounds, 260 pounds. It's amazing. Um, I, I've asked Lauren, guys like Lauren Tate and Bob Osmussen who have covered this team a heck of a lot longer than I have, but he's the closest I've ever seen to Simeon Rice in physical stature and in production level at that level as, as a young player. I think he could have a great career and he has NFL written all over him when he's done at Illinois. He does. And it is rare. You could say that about a true freshman, but it is clear. And luckily the rules state that he has to be here two more years. Um, junior year. I mean, he literally could be an all American. I mean, Imagine what Gabe Yakis can be Larry when he figures out exactly what he's supposed to be doing, right. because he has such a, <laughs> such a small, small sample size right now of, Hey, just go get the quarterback. We'll yeah. figure out everything else that yeah. you need to learn later. Just yeah. go yeah. get the guy who's the you know, guys behind. Yeah. Center. yeah. It's just natural athletic ability. Now wait until, like you said, the, the mental part of the game of this mm-hmm. level picks up. He's going to be fantastic. Hey Matt, we can leave it there. Uh, Matt Stevens as always. We appreciate it. You can get his reporting and analysis on IlliniGuys.com. A look around college football and some of the key matchups that we're watching. It's coming up here on the Illini Guys Radio Network. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Two must-see games on the docket on Saturday. 10th-ranked Penn State at number 5 Michigan, both unbeaten in the Big Ten East. That's a noon Eastern kickoff on Fox. And then we'll all flip over together to CBS as number 3 Alabama visits 6th-ranked Tennessee. Josh Heupel has the Vols back, but this is the ultimate litmus test for just where this program is right now. The Crimson Tide, meanwhile, check this out. They haven't lost to an SEC East division opponent since 2010. It was a loss at South Carolina way back then. In fact, that game and the 2007 loss to Georgia are the only two times that a Nick Saban Alabama squad has suffered a loss to the SEC East in the regular season. Unbelievable. That's amazing. It's almost as good as my high school softball conference winning streak going back to 2011. So, you know, but hey, you know, Nick Saban, he's trying to catch up. I, I get it. It's tough, you know, no. <laughs> Wish I had his paycheck though. That'd That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now the arch rival for Alabama, of course, is Georgia, and they're at the take you on Vanderbilt at home. And man, I I feel bad for Vanderbilt. Nashville's a great city. Um, Vanderbilt's a great university, but they're just they're about to take a, a beating. Uh, Georgia has has done a number on uh, uh, numerous people, including you know teams like Oregon. They they walloped, and they're gonna wallop Vanderbilt on uh, on, on Saturday. Yeah, and of course, you know, you go uh, to Clemson taking on Florida State. Looks like an interesting game. Um, it's amazing what Davo Sweeney has accomplished there. He is going 
for his seventh year that they will go seven and zero to open the season. That's pretty impressive. And the teams are very closely matched. The difference is, is when you compare who they've played, um, North Carolina State and Wake, both were defeated by Clemson and Florida State, lost tight games to both those teams. So I got to give Clemson this, even though they're going on the road. Clemson looks good. Now, Pac-12 game, uh, you know, I've, I've talked all season long. I think USC is going to be in the mix come the end of the season for one of those four playoff berths. The Trojans, seventh ranked. They're in Salt Lake City at number 20, Utah. Um, the Utes already with two losses. Um, you know, the loss uh, at Florida earlier and then the loss last week uh, to UCLA, trying to avoid a second loss to a Los Angeles team. So the Utes basically out of the playoff conversation, but but this is a really good matchup. Both teams uh, with high-powered offenses, uh, racking up uh, well over 400 yards per game on each side. Um, but Lincoln Riley really has got this Trojan team play, playing really well. Big test for the Trojans uh, uh, at Utah. Yeah, Utah's favored in that game by three and a half, which yeah. is kind of wild. And But I, I look at USC, and this might be one of the blips on their schedule. If they get by this one, you start looking at them thinking they're going to be in the playoff yeah. because they're, all these other teams are going to play each other and somebody's going to lose and they're going to stay undefeated. That's pretty impressive. Now, a couple other teams in the, in the Big 12, while, while it still exists, Oklahoma State at TCU, you've got two undefeated teams. I, I don't know how good either one of these teams are. I, I really don't. I, I know that they can do some things. They're offensively very good. But, you know, we'll see whether or not they're, they stack up nationally. But right now, these are the um, – in the Big 12, these two teams have vaulted out to 5-0 starts. Uh, they've won the games that have been put in front of them. I, I, TCU is a four-point favorite. Um, and I think that's largely because they're at home, but I, I really, I think Oklahoma state might be the kind of sleeper team here in this, in this mix. I think the big 12 isn't that good. And I think they could maybe sneak in to maybe a playoff at the end of the day, if they can uh, pull this one off. And of course we have number nine, old miss playing against Auburn and literally in every statistical category you do old miss is significantly better. I think it's just more of a coach Harson. um, firing watch than anything else <laughs> is well, hey i gotta ask about old man is lane kiffin the heir apparent to the goat that's what people are saying i i don't I mean, know man he's he's done a great job at old miss he yes has the guy wins it's just the other stuff yeah. <laughs> with, with lane kiffin let's be honest crazy yeah. four sec teams in the top 10 this week of course that that's you know may change here shortly but uh, it's just amazing uh and now to the uh wait you're also ranked game uh, that's 15 NC State had 18th ranked Syracuse, uh, two teams that you don't see uh, a lot uh, in the rankings. But NC State, uh, off to the good start, they did lose, of course, to Clemson. Hey, Syracuse undefeated with uh, Dino Babers. Um, and so we'll take a look and see if they can get the win at home and, and go to 6-0. and Yeah, and I, another ranked top 25 matchup. You got Mississippi State at Kentucky. This is an interesting one for me because – I honestly thought Kentucky kind of uh, had a chance to really uh, – they, they lose a tight one at Ole Miss, 22-19, and then they come back and lay an egg at home against South Carolina. And I thought that, you know, they're kind of really – this is desperation time for Kentucky because they were thinking after their win against Florida at that time that they were an elite team. They were going to be in the mix in the SEC, and now things are kind of – you know, they and they, of course they, they still have games against Tennessee and Georgia – left so 
you're looking at a, you lose this one. You're looking at four or five, five losses, maybe six losses if you get another one. So yeah, they, it's a must win game for Kentucky. And this is kind of a must win game. Number 19, Kansas at Oklahoma. Kansas is, has, uh, you know, they lost last week to TCU. Um, they've had the two wins prior to that to Duke and Iowa state by very tight margins. You kind of feel like Kansas is, is struggling a bit. But then you look at uh, Oklahoma, who's given up 41, 55, and 49 in their last three losses. It's impossible for me to give Oklahoma the tip of the cap here. But, um, boy, uh, Venables has to be trying to figure out what is going on with his defense. It's going to be interesting, Mike, in that game to see whether Kansas, you know, the quarterback situation with the quarterback, their, their starting quarterback being hurt. And Oklahoma is favored, not just by – I can see a slight favorite. I think they're a nine-point favorite the last time wow. I saw. That's wow. in, yeah. that's crazy. And and But the, it is amazing just how poorly their defense is playing. Oh, awful, awful defense. Now, you know whose offense is really good, though? Texas. Yeah. Texas yeah. has been really good on offense, and they're, they're hosting Iowa State. Has the bloom come off the rose for Matt Campbell a little bit? I mean, remember Matt Campbell, oh, he's going to be this job or that job. And I, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I think Nebraska would take Matt Campbell in the offseason. I don't think he'll be looking for a job. But, you know, at this point, he's three and three, Texas four and two. But you look at two Texas, you know, has kind of lost to, and one of them's Alabama, obviously, in a, in a, in a really hard fought game. So, um, and, and, you know, a tough game at Texas Tech. So I, I think Texas has is, is playing better than Iowa State right now. And this could really make for, an interesting game if Texas can win for the following week when they would head to Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State would uh, could be like a top five team at that point and undefeated. You know, it's amazing what just outstanding quarterback play, play. Remember when Justin Fields left Georgia, went to Ohio State, and just rocked the world. Quinn Ewers doing the same thing, going to Ohio State, collecting all that NIL money for one season, really one semester, and then sent him out of here, and now he's the man of Texas and what a difference uh, he's made down there with the Longhorns. A couple of the games, uh, 24th ranked Illinois going for their fifth win in a row and trying to hold on to their share of the big 10 West division lead. They're hosting Minnesota for homecoming. Uh, the Gophers have lost only once a season. And then uh, the, the game I love 25th ranked James Madison at, at, at Georgia Southern James Madison. They were powered FCS level for the past decade. First season in the FBS level and they're just the third team ever to begin their first season in FBS with a 5-0 record. Go Dukes. I think this is outstanding. James Madison, 25th, ranked 25th in the AP poll. All right, a quick timeout and then more to come. Keep it right here. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Have a business you'd like to promote right here? To advertise on the Sports Spectacular, reach out at info at IlliniGuys.com and use the passion of the Illini Guys to reach your audience. That's info at IlliniGuys.com. Welcome back to the Sports Spectacular, the segment presented by OSF Healthcare. It's media day time. First chance for the media to spend some extended time with the players. And, of course, the official team photos are taken 
great to see this group together in public for the first time last week at Oven. Uh, Brad, you were there and you wrote a great piece for Guys.com with some of your takeaways about where you see this team right now and where they, what they may do this season. Yeah, I, I really, I really like this group. They're, they're so much different. You know, Coleman Hawkins said random, you know, the way they can play. They, they're so much longer uh, positionless. Um, but I, I think one of the keys for them is the fact that they have a guy named Terrence Shannon, who, who uh, the only coaches feel like can be a first round draft pick at the end of this season. And so I, I think having a guy who has that, he's never really been the guy for a team, but this is a guy who's getting up in the morning as we're going to find out at 4:45 and making a thousand shots before everybody else gets up. What is the old, what is the old saying? Like we do more before 6 AM than most people do all day. And that's Terrence Shannon's motto. Big news out of the press conference coach Underwood was you're making a thousand shots before most people get out of bed. Now 4:45 AM is pretty early. Uh, what, what, what gave you that brainchild? I just feel like everybody <laughs> sleep at that time. Uh, and by the time I finish, they still might be asleep. Uh, or, or just waking up. So I just feel like I'm just getting a step ahead of everybody. Uh, and I also know that everyone doesn't make a thousand shots a day. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing that to get my days just started. And, Still got to go to practice. Still going to do ball handling. Still going to work out later that day. So I just feel like I'm separating myself from everybody. You know, that Kobe Bryant used to talk about doing that. I don't know if you're a Kobe fan, but he used to talk about getting up early and being in the gym before everybody else get out got out of bed. Is that – you got any Mamba mentality in you? Um, you, can, you can say that, uh, but that's, that's like – I didn't really, I know disrespect to Kobe Bryant, but I, I didn't really get it from him. Um, I, I just, I, I love Kobe Bryant as a guy. Um, I just, um, I just happened to, it just happened to be something that I decided to do. Is there a, you, you, so you're coming to a new system, a new school from Texas Tech, coming, you know, back to Illinois. Um, what was the, what, what made that decision to, to decide to come back here? Uh, they they recruited me when I was a fret, like when I was a senior in high school. Um, I didn't end up coming, and they didn't give me any like. It wasn't mad or they probably was upset that I didn't come, but they didn't like just completely stop talking to me. They congratulated me on my decision. Uh, they wished me the best. And when I entered the transfer portal, um, they came back came back around and say hey we're interested and um they it went on from there you've been kind of uh you're obviously a veteran on a team with a lot of young guys right yes sir one of your group guys is a roommate rj melendez and he was talking to rj and he said you're really competitive and that's really helped him (laughs) step up his game tell me a little you got any good stories about that competitiveness um it was i would say it was one day in practice I think I scored on RJ like it had to be like five or six times in a row, and everybody was giving him like going crazy on him about it. Coach Underwood was screaming at him, and like I'm still going. I'm not. I'm not going back off. Like it's it's getting them better, and like I'm talking like trash to him, like and that ain't making it no better. But I feel like days like that, 
always get you better. Like you, if that like if that happened to me, like I would do everything to not have a day like that again. Or I would watch see films to like see where I was messing up at. I would say like overall, like throughout, and then uh, things happen in the summer too. Like, but I just feel like from the summer to now, RJ has gotten so much better, and I'm still pushing him now to this day, like today, like just going hard at him. And, being physical, like just him pick him picking my brain, like him saying what I'm doing, like against him or to others, like he's he, he's gotten way way better than way better uh, since the summer. Way is better. That, is that kind of something you bring? Is that the leadership and the experience to help these young guys get better? Because they're obviously talented. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been through the wars like you have. Yes, sir. Uh, I feel I feel if that if I'm going hard, going hard at them. Uh, that's gonna help them and help me learn, because I know if if they're not at their best, then we're, we're not going in. Uh, so I know we need the young guys to win. Uh, they contribute a lot to us, and like it's just we're just iron sharpens iron. So if I'm if, if I'm getting them better, they're getting me better. Uh, just trying to get them to be the best they can be. It was really great to talk to him. You know, he's, he's a kid that I hadn't, honestly, I haven't talked to since he went through a recruiting process and he was a senior in high school. So it's it, the maturity is there. And I, and I just really, uh, he's so soft-spoken, but he's also probably, if you talk to the other players, he might be the most competitive guy once he gets on the floor and he doesn't want to lose. And he's, it's helped other guys like RJ Melendez, maybe bring that edge to him and so Terrence Shan has been a huge addition for this Illinois team. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be fantastic, especially his ability to play multiple positions. Um, this team is so flexible in the pieces and parts. It is going to be a different experience, but it may be more exciting than watching the teams that we've seen the last couple of years that were a ton of fun. You know, and one thing I think that is speaks volumes to where this team is, is that if you ask us last March, who the breakout player is going to be this next season for Illinois basketball, it was a sophomore, now a sophomore, RJ Melendez. He's someone that in all of Brad's reporting, didn't even talk about him. I mean, that's not to say that, that the expectations are lessened. It's just, that's how many pieces you have around. Um, and by the way, TJ Shannon is huge. I knew he was a big kid, six, 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 seven. But I mean, you in the in the team photo, he looks like you know BBV from last year, Benjamin Bosman's for Doc. I mean, he's six seven, but he looks like he's like six nine, about two forty. Um, and yet he's a guard, he's a wing. Um, he's he's a special player. Yeah, he's a he's a physical physical specimen. I did do an interview with R.J. Melendez too. Um, it's not that he isn't really good. It's just that. You know, they've added the other pieces. They've had like, what, seven new guys since we were talking about R.J. Melendez in the last year. So it really changes maybe his role a little bit, but I think it's good for him. This is really going to push him. So anyway, and thanks to OSF Healthcare, the sponsor of this segment. We appreciate their support. I was also at Big Ten Media Days this week. More on that and my one-on-one interview with Coleman Hawkins next on the Sports Spectacular. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously. You're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, 
our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. Planning to repair or upgrade your home or place of business? Whether it's a leaky roof, windows, or door, worn out siding or paint, outdated kitchen, bathroom, or basement, look no further than HX Home Solutions, your one-stop shop for remodeling inside and out. Trusted by Chicagoland since 1950, find out why HX gets an A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. Call today, 224-880-6000. That's HX Home Solutions, 224-880-6000. Mention code NCAA and schedule your free estimate. Once again, 224-880-6000, HX Home Solutions. Join BigSportsRadio.com and get a chance to win cash each week. BigSportsRadio.com keeps you in the know with the latest news of your favorite Big Ten teams and gives you five chances each week to win a $100 cash prize. Sign up today for free at BigSportsRadio.com. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Welcome back. The Big Ten Media Days were in a different city than usual. Out with Indianapolis, in with Minneapolis. <laughs> it was uh, it was one of those events. It's not it's very centrally located when they stick it out in the Twin Cities, but it, it was it was great because the Illini Media, um, a group of media members from uh, I think it was ten different outlets, got to hop on the private plane with the Illinois coaches and administration: Josh Whitman, Brad Underwood, Shauna Green, um, along with Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, Kendall Bostick. Um, Makaira Cook from the women's team. They all, we all hopped on a plane, flew to Minneapolis on a private jet. By the way, this is the way to travel. So if you can get a private jet, this is definitely the way to go. But it, you know, it makes it. It was, it was a great experience. Got to spend some time with the guys and uh, and, and the girls, and it was, it was really good. And, and I think it was a great thing by the Illinois DIA Direct Division of Intercollegiate Athletics. Uh, to to make sure that they got the the press that a, a team like Illinois is deserving of um, in in this situation. So one of the things I did get to do was sit down then with Coleman Hawkins and talk to him one on one about uh, his experience and and what his thoughts are about the Illinois basketball team this year. Yeah, I think this offseason, uh, I think it was kind of boring in a sense, but. I don't want people to take that in a negative way. I think it's a good kind of boring because instead of going out there and participating in certain activities within practice in our workouts, I was able to help uh, uh, some of the new guys and younger guys, uh, you know, describe what they have to do in uh, shell drill and where they're supposed to be at in certain positions. Uh, so for me, you know, the, the word boring uh it's going to be all throughout basketball, you know. Uh, if I'm looking to have a lengthy career, I'm going to have to uh, kind of have a, a, a boring, uh, boring, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to enjoy being boring, you know. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a process of doing the same thing over and over, but you can't get tired of doing it, you know, uh, especially if this is a lifestyle you want. So uh, I think this offseason was great for me, though. Um, you know, I put on uh, 10 pounds. Um, since I've been at Illinois, it's been 20 pounds of muscle mass. I'm looking to get to around 2:30 by the time the season starts. So I've just been working on that, working on my body, working on my jump shot, um, and just there's always room for improvement. So every part, every aspect of my game, just been working on that. So 
Yeah, of course. You mentioned boring. Sometimes it's good. Like the last year, you guys had three new assistant coaches when you came back for summer. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a different. This year was can some consistency mm -hmm. is always good too. Yeah, for sure. Um, just just being aware of uh, you know uh, taking part in you know I've been I've been doing this stuff for two years now and, and leading away and paving the path for the new guys to in order for them to be successful in this league. I think that's been a a big part of. Uh, uh, of everything in the off season and even start going into practices now. So, you you had a lot of success last year playing some five. I mean, you played four too, but you played five as well when Kofi was out for mm -hmm. some of that. Stuff. And you had some great numbers. Mm -hmm. Does that give you a lot of confidence going into this year that you can take that position? Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a challenge guarding other centers in this league. Uh, some of the best centers in the country, but you know, you look at the other day and they'll, they'll have to guard me. And some of those centers don't do what I can do. Uh, so uh, it goes both ways. Um, but I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it because I think. Uh, I'll be able to kind of quarterback and put the, the guys in, in good situations to score and, and be successful. So I, I'm excited to uh, be at the five position. You talked about being five out and being able to play that way, and that's obviously a change in style from what you had before. So you guys defensively will switch a lot more um, and and be more, um, like they say, positionless. Yeah. So that, and that obviously fits your style. Does that give you a lot of confidence as well? Yeah, for sure. If you look at teams like the Warriors, um, it was a lot of uh, a five out. You know, they, they might throw Looney in in the short short post, but you look at um, all over the place, it's just movement. Uh, you know, and Draymond Green kind of quarterbacking, getting the guys in the right positions to make plays. Um, so I think I think it's definitely going to be uh, – it, it, it sets us up to be more successful. Um, I think – a lot of times stuff can get stagnant when it's, you know, a, a structured offense when one, two, three, four, five has to do this and has to do that. But, you know, a randomness to it, uh, it, it can be unguardable at times. So, When you guys have that um, the, the spacing and you're able to do those things, are there other guys that you think really fit that style too besides, I mean, obviously it's important for you, but are there other guys on the team you think it will really help? Yeah, for sure. I think Terrence um, will be a great part of, uh, getting downhill to his left hand. Uh, you can't leave a guy like Matthew Meyer open. Um, can't leave a guy like Matt open. Uh, Sky is a great, great ball handler. Uh, Ty is a great facilitator. Um, so I think everyone in, within our, our, our roster can fit different characteristics and different pieces in our, in our offense in order to be successful. So if a lot of new freshmen too. Um, what's that been like? You talked about kind of taking them and helping them through this process. What freshmen have been? What what have they done that really has stood out to you? Yeah, they've all gotten better. I think Jaden is an elite scorer. Um, he can score at all three levels. I think just understanding for all of them, uh, they have to be poised and calm um, when bringing the ball up. Uh, you know, sometimes they might get sped up. They're not used to the speed. Uh, might turn the ball over, but, you know, the, those are all growing pains, so they'll grow from those mistakes. But all of them have been successful, and they've all improved tremendously from uh, the time they got here to right now and starting practice. So so what, one thing you can see from Coleman, and, and hopefully it's evident in the, in the soundbite, is that Coleman is so much more mature than he was a year ago. You can just see it. He's mature. He's confident. He mentioned how he's gained – 20 pounds of muscle since arriving on campus and still has more work to do. 
this is a guy who, who has really turned the corner and they're really excited about what he can do for this Illinois basketball team. Yeah, the sky's the limit for Coleman, and let's hope he can do his best to achieve it. There, there's some some Big Ten centers that he's going to have to play well against every night, and he's also going to have to be mature enough to put those centers in a position where he can take advantage of his skill sets, not try to go up against their strengths. The Illini will host their lone exhibition game in just two weeks versus Quincy on Friday, October 28th, before their regular season opener against EIU on Monday, November 7th. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. You don't want, want guys putting fingers. You don't want, um, you don't want guys, uh, you know, always me, you know, really dealing with the momentum swings. I think what is unique about our group is like they, the focus is, is so much on on them and like how can we get better? What is our job? Like it doesn't matter where the series has started, what has happened prior to the snap. Um, it, is, it is solely focused on each play. Like what, what can I do to help our team? Defensive coordinator Ryan Walter is talking about his unit, number one in the nation in scoring defense and no touchdowns allowed at home all season. Larry Smith, Mike Hegley, Brad Sturdy still with you here. Lots ahead in the second hour as we focus for a minute on the Big Ten. In case you haven't been paying attention, we could be down to two front runners in each division after Saturday. Second-ranked Ohio State has a bye week. That means they'll be joined by either number 5 Michigan or 10th-ranked Penn State as unbeatens atop the Big Ten East. Yeah, you know, the Buckeyes are always the team you talk about, but and, and we mentioned Michigan being number five. They've been talked about. They were in the playoff last year and won. But I, I think Penn State's kind of snuck up on these teams. And the, the Nittany Lions, it, it's not going to be easy for them. But they also have a fantastic defense. They've been great um, at defending the run. They are great in red zone defense. And they are a team that can hold Michigan's, you know, very explosive and very good offense down a little bit. And may have a they have a chance to keep this game close, which means that you have a chance to win it at the end if you can keep it close. Yeah, and I, I do think that um, you know earlier in the year I would have said this is uh, easy advantage for Michigan. Penn State has played well enough, and they played a tougher schedule that um, it, this turns into the quite the toss up game. And I'm beginning to feel like Penn State's the only team that has a shot at beating Ohio state. And I'm not certain if anybody has a big one. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that'll be a good game. Uh, noon Eastern kickoff on Fox and that one. Now, meanwhile, uh, Nebraska at Purdue, both losing their season and conference openers, but here they are. Raise your hand. If you thought this game would be between two co-leaders of the big 10 West with the winner hanging on to a share of first place in the division. And if your hand's up right now, you're lying. There's no way in the world you thought this was going to happen, but but here they are. Yeah, my, my hand is down. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, and I, I thought Purdue had a chance to be solid, but, and I, you know, we, Nebraska, you fire your coach. Suddenly you're like, yeah, you're back in the mix in the Big Ten West. That's the Big Ten West for you. But I, I think Purdue, as long as their quarterback stays healthy, they're, they're pretty dangerous. You know, when he didn't play, they didn't look very good. But I, I, I think that, as O'Connell's playing, then I think Purdue is, has a chance to be able to throw the ball, which is something a lot of teams that Big Ten West can't do. And, and so 
if they win, you know, if they can take care of Nebraska here, it really sets up their the rest of their schedule. They have a chance to be the team that comes out of the Big Ten West if they can win some games. Yeah, well, everybody knew Nebraska had talent. It was just could they put that talent all in one direction um, and produce the team that scares me the most because they're the hardest team for, for uh, other opponents in the Big Ten West to prepare for because people really don't throw the ball that well. So I, I think these guys would be a heck of a game. It should be a lot of fun, and I think Purdue will prevail, but Nebraska physically has a lot of talent that will keep them in a lot of games. And what a job by Mickey Joseph, not just, uh, Brad, to your point, the interim coach after they uh, gave Scott Frost the $15 million boot, uh, but they also fired their defensive coordinator, and, uh, and after they got blown out the following week after Frost was out, 49-14 uh, against Oklahoma, since then giving up 21 points to Indiana, giving up only 13 points last week to Rutgers. So that defense certainly, um, after giving up 45 points at home to Georgia Southern, 49 points to Oklahoma, they certainly have turned, have turned it around, only 34 points allowed these last two weeks. And so let's see if Nebraska can keep it going. Uh, Nebraska winners of back-to-back games, Purdue going for their fourth win in a row. Uh, Minnesota at 24th-ranked Illinois. Speaking of winning streaks, the Illini at home, a four-game win streak, but this will be tough with all the injuries. Yeah, Illinois, they're they've got a great defense, they've got a great running back, and they've got it, they've had a really good quarterback who's been played extremely well. But with Tommy DeVito um likely out, Isaiah Williams battling a concussion. Um, this Illinois team is a little bit um beat up, and Minnesota gets their stud running back, Mo Ibrahim back, and you get him back. And it makes a difference. And can you run the ball against Illinois? Nobody has been able to um, yet, as Wisconsin found out when they had like two yards rushing. But um, nobody's been able to run the ball against Illinois. So you got they want to make Tanner Morgan throw the ball. If he can, Minnesota's probably going to win this football game. But if he can't, it's going to be one of those you know dog fights down to, down the stretch, and it could come down to field goal kicking. Which again, Illinois has another injury at. The- at field goal kicker. So this is uh, th- this is going to be a tough one for the Illini, even at home. Yeah, if Sikowski has to play, he can't turn the ball over. Can't have, you know, those lapses in concentration, even for a play. And then Minnesota, you know, they're trying to make sure that uh, they can run the ball. If they can run the ball, then they've got an opportunity. If Illinois turns them into a one-dimensional team the way they did uh, the Badgers, it's going to be a problem for Minnesota. Looks like an excellent matchup at 11 a.m. there in uh, Champaign. Yeah, you got Maryland at Indiana. It's an interesting game. For some reason, Maryland has played pretty well. I I, I will give them credit, but they're going to Indiana, and and it's a four and two team against a three and three team. Indiana hung around with Michigan for a long time. They've already beat Illinois. They're the only team to beat Illinois thus far this season. So I don't think that they're quite as bad as people are making them out to be. So I think they've been just a little competitive. So the 11 and a half point spread, I think is a bit too high, but I think Maryland will come out and get the win. I just don't think it's going to be uh, the, the blowout that the odds makers predict. Yeah. And of course the other game that's, that's a fascinating one is Wisconsin at Michigan state where Wisconsin had lost two in a row then they got better against Northwestern, which may mean that they didn't get better. Who knows? And you've got um, Michigan State, who is on a four-game slide. So um, their defense is playing poorly. I've got to put the, a little bit more faith in the Wisconsin running game. But again, those are two teams that were ranked to start the season. 
that now the only thing next to their uh, school name is question marks. Great perspective. It's true. Hey, keep it here. We're always talking Big Ten expansion and looking for some insights on what's going on behind the scenes. And we will do just that when Matt Brown of ExtraPointsMB.com joins us next. It's a great conversation. Can't wait. That's next. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Glad you're with us on another fantastic football weekend. A great website called ExtraPointsMB.com. Matt Brown is the architect. He does a ton of homework and research into the college sports landscape and, and how it is changing. And we, we, we love the site. We really wanted to have him come on and talk about it. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start, obviously, uh, with the Big Ten. Um, so much change. Uh, you know, we thought that Texas, Oklahoma, big announcement last year was the big shift. No, no. The Big Ten said, hold my beer. Uh, USC and UCLA coming over uh, literally it leaks 48 hours, if even that, before it actually happens. Um, and it's a great, such a big shift, obviously, geographically and historically, et cetera, et cetera. But let's tar- start with the Big Ten and expansion and, and kind of uh, get your thoughts on, on, on what's going on and, and where we're headed with this. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's fair to talk about USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten as a significant surprise. You know, one that I think it's a bigger surprise than Texas and Oklahoma in, in many ways, especially when you consider historically that the tight bonds in governance between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, the personal relationships between Kliakoff and, and Kevin Warren, um, and the, the joint IP of the Rose Bowl, which now gets diminished by the Big Ten, uh, maybe fatally, if, if not, it certainly wounded uh, what, what the Pac-12 is worth. And to, for all of those things to happen the way that they did, even if we understand the money component of it, that that is a surprise. Um, what I can say, the best of my informed knowledge right now is that there is not a consensus within the halls of Rosemont and between the halls of, of Big Ten University presidencies about what to do next. I am told that Kevin Warren and some administrators, some presidents would like to get to 20 teams uh, by a, a potentially expanding additionally at West. You might somewhat alleviate the travel and logistical burden that comes from having two schools that are 2000 miles away from everybody else, particularly if you can uh, create more opportunities for them to travel without going across different time zones. Um, It is one that could also offer a level of administrative and political stability and power. One of the things I think gets lost when we talk about Big Ten expansion or about why anybody's expanding, it's not just to consolidate and increase television revenue. We're heading into an era now where we're going to have a new division one constitution, and where more power and more responsibilities are delegated to conferences. And if one of those conferences says, hey, we now, between us and the SEC, we now have, I don't know, 16 of the top 18 college football programs and, and you know, X number top volleyball and X number of top softball, you can uh, push for much more power and control over those postseason tournaments than you might have before. So those are all some factors. You have other presidents within the Big 12, Big 10, other ADs as well that look at this and say, that may all be true, 
but I don't want to add anybody else if we're if that will uh, not if that will diminish our conference take uh, our take right. I don't want you to add a school that diminishes our total broadcast package or our total distributions package. Where now I might only make seventy one million instead of seventy six million. And depending on who you add in the Pac-12, according to the television consultants that I've talked to, some of whom who were in the room with the Big Ten have said, hey, if you add Stanford and Cal, there's no way to slight to, to, to dress this up. Your television money will decrease. Like those programs are not valuable. Enough. So you have those groups. And you also have another group that says we don't want to expand at all, because even if we make more money, it's a gigantic political headache. We're already going to get dragged in with the California regents and the folks of Washington and Oregon or potentially an ACC country are going to throw a bigger temper tantrum. We might attract federal antitrust. We're going to have senators crawling up of our butt if we, if we do this. Is all of that and we're, we're going to kneecap into the conference. Is that worth an extra $4 million a year? Maybe, maybe not. So I know that the Big Ten has met with attorneys representing Oregon. They've met with attorneys representing Washington. They've met with numerous television consultancy groups to help them crunch those numbers. I don't believe that they are near a consensus. And uh, I, I would hope and what people in Rosemont have told me is, hey, we hope to have some kind of more concrete resolution by the end of football season because the Pac-12 has got to sign their TV deal. But that's kind of where we are here at the moment. I don't have a reason to believe that anything's happening like tomorrow. Right. So the interesting thing to me is people focus on the athletic side of this. But Big Ten at heart are some of the biggest and strongest research universities that are uh, on the planet. Do the, Are they looking at the research grant funding, which dwarfs the uh, TV packages in this calculus? Because I would think Cal and Stanford would add an awful lot to the bottom line, uh, you know, in terms of, of research grants and, and bringing in uh, more business on that side of it, or is that is that a decision that is divorced from the athletic partnership? It's it, it's it's interesting. I learned this recently that technically, like the Big Ten Academic Alliance is run completely independently of any athletic decision, and and in fact, I've seen correspondence from professors in that group that have said we haven't added USC and UCLA to this yet. Like our bylaws require a different process. We'll probably add them. They they fit the criteria. But it's not a one-to-one -one thing. You are certainly correct that there are administrators that look at this and say, even if it's not necessarily a pure dollars and cents thing in terms of being able to, to jointly apply for research grants, because some of that stuff you can do already, even if they're not in the Big Ten, there is a prestige spillover from associating with Stanford. Now, one of the things that makes the Big Ten unique, and the Pac-12 is like this to a lesser extent, but most other athletic conferences aren't, is that the, the these institutions use Big Ten as a, uh, a moniker to convey what kind of school they are. And if you are at Wisconsin and you are recruiting a chemistry professor, you are telling the candidates on campus, we are a big 10 institution. And that doesn't just mean Rose Bowl. That means that we are a peer to Illinois. We are a peer to Michigan. We are a peer to Northwestern. Nobody does this in the big 12 because there's BYU and UCF and West Virginia share Literally nothing in common other than we want to play big time college football. They're not the same uh, ecclesiastically. They're not the same with their research. They're not the same academically. And that's not a criticism. It's just that's not what they are. This matters with the Big Ten. The that is the the academic component is one factor among many factors. And, and it, it's the way that one of the television consultants explained it to me is the academic profile and ability to generate research and what kind of school you are 
is like is like a minimum standard, right? It would be why the Big Ten would not add West Virginia, even though that might make geographic sense or even some historical sense, because that's not the kind of school West Virginia is. And once you clear that bar, then we can talk about television and, and athletics and other things. You know, that's a great point. Talking with Matt Brown here of the website, extrapointsmb.com. The other, let's go to the other coast right now in the ACC. We just had Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports on last week, and and he was explaining that, you know, every attorney of every ACC school has gone into Greensboro, looked at the contract and determined, we can't touch this. It is ironclad. It's going to cost us half a billion dollars, and we still wouldn't, may not have rights fees, that kind of thing. Um, What's the next domino to fall? Is it... Eight teams, more than half the ACC saying we went out of this deal and and somehow there's an agreement made that that, you know, a few of those go to the SEC under the same financial agreement they have with the SPN. Um, does that break it up? Is it maybe Amazon or 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 a streaming partner coming on and subsidizing the money you would give to pack 12 schools to bring them in? What's the next piece, do you think, that that's going to kind of move this? Because it's I don't I'm with you. I don't think it happens in 2022. I mean, it may um, but I think this is a long-term thing where it, it could take five or six years before we finally get things set to where we do have these two or three mega conferences. Yeah, it's 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 possible, right? So one of the big questions that I have not gotten a great answer for yet, I've been asking around and I hope to get it eventually, is whether ACC schools would be permitted to use outside financing to pay for getting out of their grant of rights agreement. So as it stands right now, in order to to depart the the GOR if you're an ACC school is you have to you you would be on the hook for the the total value of the rest of the deal which is north of a hundred million dollars well north of hundred million dollars right now it goes down every year and I can tell you that there's not a single one of those schools that can pay that fee right now through outside fundraising Texas couldn't do it and Texas is the richest school uh, and has the richest boosters in the country I think people forget this a little bit that some of the power programs in the ACC like Florida State and Clemson do not have the booster institutional wealth that some of these land-grant AAU research institutions elsewhere in the country do, right? But if you know what your television money is going to be if you leave the ACC for the next decade, um, which would be kind of locked in and secure, it would theoretically be pretty easy for you to get a bank to loan you the money, especially a local bank that might be willing to get you something a little bit under the, the current rate, right? Because that's that's a safe investment. Most of these ACC schools have great credit, right? These aren't uh, you know, tuition dependent private schools that are on the risk of going under the bank knows where you live. They know where your ticket <laughs> revenue is going to come in. And so like, theoretically that could work. Sometimes banks help, help refinance stadium debt to help, uh, schools, you know, build things or, you know, do, do that. Some agreements say that would be illegal. Some agreements might let you do it. So that's something that's a little unclear in terms of the immediate timeline. I can't say this with a hundred percent confidence because if I knew exactly what's going to happen, friends, my newsletter would cost a lot more money. <laughs> but but what I, I can say is I expect a resolution with the Big Tens, will they or won't they, with Oregon and Washington first. And the big reason for that is the Pac-12 is trying to secure a new media contract. And they're not going to be able to do that if they can't get schools to sign a similar grant of rights agreement, likely in the six to eight year range. And if Oregon and Washington believe that there is a meaningful chance that they could join the Big Ten in the next year, they're not going to sign it. They can't sign it. There's no Pac-12 deal if you have a crisis. Um, And so I don't think either party can really string themselves along here for a while. And that's what a lot of this stuff really depends on, right? If you're the Big 12, you aren't really able to poach a a, a Pac-12 team if they're still going to be a Pac-12. If there's not, then all bets are off. If you're the Mountain West, 
you may or may not lose some schools and you can't really kind of go down that path until you know what the Big Ten does. Um, the, the one, the only other thing that I have been told in SEC, you know, administrative uh, quarters is that they don't view anything the Big Ten did in LA as an existential threat or something that requires immediate action. And when you go from 16 to 18 or from 16 to 20, that also creates other problems, um, whether that's with scheduling, whether that's with internal politics, whether that's with logistics, whether that's with media partners. And it's not a given that going from 16 to 20 is automatically better. So as we look at this, obviously the the governance of the NCAA is at least being reviewed and analyzed by people across the country. How would how would you address this if you were in the NCAA's shoes in terms of how to move forward when these conferences seem to be amassing more and more power and be really almost superseding the NCAA, at least within the individual conference? Yeah, I, I think one of the difficult things for people to kind of, you know, for fans to wrap their head around here as we're talking about governance is that the NCAA isn't just Mark Emmert and a handful of people that are in Indianapolis. Their constitution, their enforcement mechanism, their administrative state is at the pleasure of the member institutions, which are presidents and athletic directors. So when we get frustrated at the NCAA or we feel like they don't have the power to do X, Y, or Z, or they're using that power to regulate cream cheese or whatever, you know, it's because the presidents and the ADs, not necessarily bureaucrats in Indiana, set it up that way. So unquestionably, there is a, a governance crisis right now in college athletics. You have athletic directors um, who I think almost uniformly, big from Illinois to Illinois State to Southern Illinois, are fr- or have been really frustrated with Mark Emmert, and they've been frustrated with the way that uh, the governance for all sports is set up. That's why we have a transformation committee right now. That's why everyone's getting together to reevaluate what it means to be a Division One institution and what kind of powers need to go where. where. I don't know if it's a crisis necessarily if more power goes back to conferences. That's the way it was before the 1950s. We still were able to, to function. Um, the, I think the bigger question, I guess, is, is what happens to entities outside of universities? Because it could be the court system is going to be what's actually going to force dramatic changes here. It could be Congress. It could be state houses. It could be athlete activists. And that's not something that any of these parties can control. I think ultimately that's more likely to shape what college football or college basketball governance looks like in six years, rather than what maybe Josh Whitman or Gene Smith think. And then one follow-up to that then is, you know, as a guy who's been in corporate America for a long time, that's exactly what most corporations, most organizations want to avoid is to have your, your way of doing business dictated uh, by the government or by, you know, an an outside entity out of your control. Um, Is there anything they can do proactively at the conference level? Um, You know, maybe NIL is something that, that could be adapted to avoid those type of consequences. I think the only possible thing, that the college sports could do to completely regain control of how, uh, of how it's going to govern everything is a decision that they absolutely don't want to do. And that is collective bargaining that, that that's going to be some kind of of semi-professionalization of some, if not all of college athletes and uh, a union or some kind of centralized negotiating force being set up and having a CBA and having a CBA would then allow 
everyone to get down in a room and talk about what are going to be the compensation limits or controls for NIL. What is the salary cap structure? How are people going to transfer? How, how does this fit in or not fit in with, with, uh, with academics? Without that negotiating body, this all has to be done by 30 different places and not have any kind of organizing or rule enforcement body and opens you up to antitrust and labor violations. Now, when you talk to, there's a couple of ADs that if you get a beer in them and, and turn off the camera, will tell you we could operate that way, or that's not the worst thing in the world. I've heard this from some people in the ACC, but most folks will say no, like employment or divorcing from the college system is the red line that we don't want to cross. And had the NCAA done some different things in the 90s, or maybe even the early 2000s, it's possible we wouldn't be at this point. I don't think it's terribly helpful to sit there and go like, well, y'all screwed up these two things. You know, like at this point, you have to think of other solutions. You can make some changes here, and maybe that will make things better, and maybe that won't. But you're always going to be at the risk of a district judge or some senators or somebody else or a labor uh, event forcing you to do something different if you don't create a collective bargaining agreement. Great points, and we will uh, unfortunately have to leave it there, but this conversation has been exactly what we hoped it would be. Uh, the website, again, is extrapointsmb.com. Be sure to go on there and sign up. Uh, Matt has just some, um, again, does some fantastic research, and as you can see, uh, really knows the stuff. If you're interested in in, in this uh, realm of college sports, and if you're a college sports fan, it certainly affects you. Um, this is a, a website you need to make sure you go to uh, often, several times a week, if not at several times a day. Hey, Matt Brown, thanks uh, for the knowledge. We appreciate your time, and hopefully you'll come on again soon. It's, it's my pleasure. Thanks, fellas. All right, appreciate it. Matt you. Brown, extrapointsmb.com. Stay with us. Much more to come after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it. If your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What's that's Neon Rain apart, they actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. For 25 years, ABC7 political reporter Charles Thomas gave you the straight news. Now, he's giving you real talk on the governor's race. Darren Bailey, I met the man. He's a family farmer. Somebody who understands what it's like to go to work every day. Somebody who's fair-minded. I can trust this guy. I can trust this guy. Yeah, a farmer from Southern Illinois. Yeah, yeah. A farmer from Southern Illinois. Paid for by People Who Play by the Rules Pack. This is Jeff Alexander, assistant basketball coach for the Fighting Illini. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Welcome back to the show. 24th ranked Illinois hosts Minnesota, noon Eastern. The kickoff is on Big Ten Network. Don't miss it. I caught up with Kane Robb of Locked On Golden Gophers for a preview. Here it is. You know, I think one thing that I've noticed through any presser I've been in with Coach PJ Fleck is that it's always a one-week mentality. Even if maybe deep down inside he's looking further or long-term or anything like that, anything he'll give you is it is 
they're solely focused on the going one and oh in the Illinois championship weekend, as it would be this weekend. Last week it was one and oh in the Purdue championship weekend. So he's always focused on the immediate immediate task at hand. Now, of course, they're gonna look at the tape from last year, see how they can correct themselves. But this is a new team, a different team, especially on the offensive side of ball. So I think that there will be adjustments made. And I think the same can be said for Illinois. This team is different. Like you had some success last year. You caught us by surprise last year. But at the same time, this team is a lot better. This team's defense looks a lot stronger than what was on the field last year. And so I think it's going to be a good one. And I think Coach Fleck is definitely prepared for that. And he had really sang the praises of Coach Bielema as well. Yeah, it's 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 very clear that the two coaches, if they don't respect one another, they at least project a, uh, um, a, a healthy um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, you know, well, well-oiled, uh, comments back and forth so that they don't try to grease the wheels at all for, <laughs> for having a, you know, giving anything to, to fire up the other team. Yeah. No so, bullets and board material or anything yeah, like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, um, Mo Ibrahim is, is one of the best backs in the big 10. Obviously Minnesota fans feel he's the best back. Illinois fans feel it's Chase Brown. Tell me a little bit about him and what do you think his status is for the game this week? Well, it does sound like it's all systems go for Mo. I know he was close to playing in that Purdue game. Coach Flex said if he had maybe a couple more days, he would have been out there. He practiced in a limited fashion during that Purdue week the whole time. So now we've had an extra bye week and we have this week as we prep for Illinois. So I do think he'll be on the field. It does sound like he'll be on the field as far as Monday's presser. PJ sounded like he will start. So I don't think that's in question now. PJ usually holds most injury information like it is the top government secrets that you could possibly find. So I think he's being honest with us this time around, but overall Mo is definitely a back that just fights through contact. It really impresses me how he's always falling forward, how he's always getting the extra two, three yards. And I think that's something that you've seen with Chase Brown as well. I was looking at kind of the numbers between the two and both of them are really good at gaining yards after contact, especially on a per game basis. Mo is the best in the big 10 when it comes to yards after contact. So that's the biggest thing is he just doesn't go down. I don't think he's a back that you have to worry about maybe popping off a 70 yard touchdown or anything like that, but he'll chunk away at you all day and his vision is really good. So that's the biggest thing with strengths for Mo is that and his leadership. And he's also running behind a pretty good offensive line that P.J. Fleck really has kind of turned around what Minnesota's known for with some of his line play, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, the O-line has been impressive. The last two, three years, the O-line was the number one unit in my eyes as far as one of the best units across the country. Now, we did lose four starters heading into this year, but we brought in a transfer from Michigan, a transfer from Notre Dame. And then we have our center who is back, who has played the past four years with us as well. And then a really talented left tackle who has been impressive so far. I believe this is his true sophomore year, or it might be a redshirt sophomore year, but the line has been holding up overall. They always have one game where they just somehow forget what they're supposed to be doing, just get annihilated by a team. And I'm we saw that last week with Purdue. I'm hoping that, again, that was a one-game thing because 
I believe Illinois' defense is a lot better than what we saw from Purdue, so they're going to have to show that they are truly a good offensive line this week. What do you think happened, you know, because I, I have to admit, we uh, uh, at Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, we do what a lot of people do, the, the host of our radio program. You know, we predict winners. Uh, we do that on our big sports radio show as well. And everybody picked uh, Minnesota over Purdue, and and we all got knocked down on that one. In, any thoughts <laughs> on what caused that? Because most people kind of gave uh, the Gophers a W. Was that what the Gophers did too? You know, even before the season started, I had done my predictions and I put it out there. I said, I think we're going to go into East Lansing and win. And I think that we could possibly lose to Purdue just coming off of a high, coming off of a big victory and really not being in the right mindset. And it seemed like that's how they came out, especially on the offensive side of ball. It seemed like it just wasn't all clicking. And it also didn't help that Mo Ibrahim was out of the game. And it seemed to be more of a last second decision as well. So it just seemed to take kind of the, the wind out of our sails. And then you start off with uh, a penalty, a defensive pass interference, which gives up a touchdown. You miss a field goal. You have a touchdown dropped in the end zone. And then it's not only a drop, but tipped into the interception for the defense on Purdue's side. All of those things in conglomeration, just self-inflicted wounds really hurt this Gophers team last week. And the thing is that they were in it and still had a chance to win or go down and score to win with like four minutes left in the game. So the fact that they were still in it after all of those errors, after all of those things that you should not be in a game, not even close, that was a positive to see, but definitely caught us by surprise as well as fans of the Gophers. Now, um, Tanner Morgan, you know, at quarterback um seems like he's a little bit of a underrated guy what can you tell us about what the line fans need to know about him honestly a lot of people say tanner morgan is just a game manager i think he's a step above that i think he has some traits that are really good for a quarterback to have one of those is his anticipatory throws and being able to throw someone open and you see glimpses of it and then sometimes you see maybe instances where he's off cue with the receiver and that's where we run into maybe some turnover issues and things of that nature but it seems like now that he's back in this Kirk Shiraka system He's thriving again. He's making the right plays and he's more of a player that is an efficient player. So his numbers might not pop off the page at you. You might not be like, oh, he's a 4,000 yard passer, 3,000 yard passer even. But if you go and look at PFF's grading system for players, he's number one in the nation when it comes to QB grades in the PFF scoring system, just because he's very efficient and he he makes the right play and the smart play less turnover worthy plays. So that's what you're getting with him. Maybe not a lot of high upside reward, but not a lot of risk either. You can hear the entire interview on my eye on the Illini podcast. You can find it wherever you download your podcast. And we're going to be back with more after this. As we talked about earlier, Big Ten Media Days this week. Uh, Brad Sturdy, uh, was that your private plane that you flew up to Minneapolis this week? That was pretty sweet. <laughs> my plane, my plane's in the shop, Larry. Oh. So I had to, I had to go and fly with the uh, with the 
you know, the DIA plane, you know, and it was nice. I mean, you know, it's not as good as having your own, but you know, it's still good. Yeah. No, uh, but uh, it was, you know, it was really cool up there, you know, from a Illini fan perspective is seeing former Illini and Kansas state coach, Bruce Weber, who is now a, an analyst hmm. for the big 10 network. And he's actually going to be doing the Illinois UMKC game in early November. So he will be back in Champaign um, for that one. So that, that'll be a pretty, uh, pretty cool to see that. Uh, hopefully the fans will appreciate him a little more than they did back in you know, 10 years ago when they were trying to run him out of town. But yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, Bruce is a good guy, really a good guy and a great basketball mind. So I think he'll bring some good insight into the, uh, in, into, into this role. Well, I loved your tip about taking your travel tip was have your own private plane. It reminds me <laughs> of a good, a good friend of mine who I respect and who has a lot of dollars, he said, I'm going to give you a great financial tip. And I'm like, this is awesome. Lay it on me. And he goes, buy every car you get with cash. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's if I'm already rich. <laughs> so your, tra- your travel tip is very similar. Right? Yeah, very I- similar. I'm going to do the same thing when I'm rich. I'm going to have my own private plane. <laughs> that's what, yeah, it's real easy. Like, Thanks, Brad. Hey. Gas is expensive. Buy an electric car. It's the same yeah, thing. You know? That's right. <laughs> Just go with it. You know, but speaking of Bruce Weber, I think that's a great uh, spot for him. I don't know if Bruce wants to coach again, but I think Bruce, and I know Illinois fans, and he, he's whiny voice. He complained and whatever. Well, he won't do any of that now. Listen, in terms of X's and O's, like, like you said, Bruce knows his stuff. And if you if you're somebody who likes Dick Vitale and the screaming and talking about people who played 50 years ago, um, or if you like Bill Walton, who, you know, in his hazy ramblings about anything other than the game in front of him, <laughs> if that's what you like, God bless you. Me, I want a guy who's going to tell me what's happening. And, and I think Dion Thomas is someone. Uh, Robbie Hummel is, is a guy. Um, Steve Lavin. These were guys who 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 do that. Like they tell you what's inside the what's going on inside the huddle and what play that, that you would draw with the personnel and, and how you'd handle the situation. That's what I'm looking for. And I think Bruce Weber would be outstanding at that. Yeah. He's got a great perspective uh, being a coach in these big games. He's been there. He's been to the national championship game. There aren't many guys working the, the analyst booth that have been done those things. And so I think it'd be great to have him there. I, I know I talked to him and he really wanted to do the big 10. Cause obviously he had, got some familiarity um, from the big 10, you know, he's living in St. Louis, so it's not too bad to get to those big 10 schools. And, and I, he really wanted to be there. It was funny. He had a joke. He said, you know, I got 14 teams to keep track of in the big 10. If I was working for somebody else, I might have like a hundred teams if I had to keep track of everything. So 14 is much better. So, and which makes sense to me. So um, uh, I think Bruce will do a wonderful job. Yeah. There's a beauty to his logic and I think he'll, he'll add a lot to the broadcast. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Look forward to seeing him on the call at Illinois. Like you said, taking on uh, the, they're now just called Kansas city, but we know him as a Missouri, Kansas city uh, team uh, here in a few weeks. Uh, Illinois athletic director, Josh Whitman naturally was on the trip with Brad as well. And spent a few minutes with reporters. Let's hear a bit of that. Amount of credit for the game. When you're in a position like we have been, a lot of this is just learning how to win and understanding what's necessary. Having the confidence that when you get into a tight game like we had on Saturday, that you can look at the face and come out on the other side with, with the victory. And, uh, so I just couldn't be happy for our guys and, and for our program and, and for our fans. It, it's, it's been fun for everybody to feel the energy. Uh, we, I think we've all been around when we've been good, and, and we all understand uh, the different atmosphere that it brings to our campus and to our community. And 
uh, it's, it's just really uh, exciting for us to be able to do that and, and to feel the, the sense of enthusiasm that's really kind of pervading around Champaign Urbana right now. What's it, what's it say about the growth of the basketball program? They can lose five stars, they can lose two All-Americans in the last two years and still have such high expectations for the season. We've come a long way. We've come a long way, and again, I give, I give Coach all the credit in the world. You think about the last two off-seasons, what this program has gone through last year, of course, to change out the entire coaching staff, and then this year to change out such a significant part of the roster. Uh, he's somebody who doesn't panic. He understands who he is. He knows what he's looking for. He's a lot of self-confidence and strong sense of identity around what he wants to basketball to look like. And, uh, and then he's patient when he works his way through it. He talks to people. He learns uh, about them. And, and then when he finds the right fits, he doesn't hesitate. And, and so it's been a lot of fun to, to work with him these last couple of years and just see him lead through some of that adversity. Uh, and, and just real excited about where the program sits now and, and looking forward to the beginning of the season. Josh, you said six years ago we will win. So like to see both those programs win at this level. So what's it been like? Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's it's pretty exciting. You know, I just keep saying that. I, I'm, I'm really proud of, of where we've come from. Uh, and I said that however many times in, in the many years leading up to this, that, that when we started to achieve at the level that we expected, it would be that much sweeter knowing where we started. And I hope that our fans feel that way. I know I feel that way. I know that people on the inside of the program have felt that way. Uh, we, we just have to, every once in a while, take a moment to appreciate where we are and what we're doing. Um, but just a moment, you know, because we have a lot more to do. And, and I think that's the, that's the reward. You know, you have a chance to go out and, and win two big games like we did in Madison and, and then in our place last weekend. And uh, you get a second to catch your breath. And then you got a big Minnesota team coming in for, for a hard game on Saturday. And so you just have to you have to keep pushing, and I think that's the, the challenge for all of us is there, there's human nature that can seep in at some point in time, and, and you have to be very disciplined in the way you think and the way you work you have to guard against that and, and continue to keep the pedal down and continue to keep aggressive, and, and that's really been the focus for us with our staff and uh, making sure that we you know, take advantage of these moments. Here we are. We put all this effort into getting to this place. Now we have to make sure that, that in this moment of take full advantage of that opportunity and try and capture as many hearts and minds as we can and, and, uh, and, and use this opportunity to, as, a, as a springboard for what's to come. You, um, you've invested a lot of money into the coaching staff. Is that your challenge now is to keep you know, this all together and keep it going to the next level? Is that the biggest part of it? Or? College athletics isn't getting any cheaper, that's right. for sure. And, and we've certainly seen you know, with each successive offseason how the coaching carousel has continued to change and evolve. And, and obviously there's some new external factors that I think have contributed to that with the transfer portal and image likeness. Uh, and, and the marketplace has continued to accelerate. And so we have to be aware of the environment that we're working within and be prepared to, to do what we can to, to maintain our position. Uh, I really couldn't be happier with the staff that we have both and football, men's basketball, women's basketball. Sean has put together a tremendous group. Uh, and we know that as we have success, we're going to become an attractive entity for people who are looking to create their new staffs. And, and so we have to be ready to be proactive. I think that's been a kind of a hallmark of our, our time together is that, that as we've uh, identified people who we think are, are 
major contributors for us. We've not hesitated to, to be proactive and, and put our best foot forward and make sure they have a, a comfort in staying with us. Uh, and, and so we'll continue to do that, uh, and, um, and hopefully we can keep the band together for a while longer here and, and really continue to capitalize on some of the success. Yeah, Josh Whitman is one of those guys. You, you, you don't get him on the record a lot, but he's always around. You know, and you can always talk to him and and get some insight from him. But this was this was good of him to kind of do this with us. And um, and of course, you know, now the the big news is, you know, as they finish the oven basketball and uh, media got to take a tour of that and they have finished the new indoor softball and indoor baseball, the football, the the Smith Center obviously is fantastic. All these new things that they've done now, the next building project. Um, and, and this is where, where, where they're going to allocate the money. Cause that's really what it's all about now with the AD it's, it's NIL and facilities and, and giving your coaches the ability to compete with the other schools. Yeah. The job's never done. You know, you think this new big 10 deal is going to make everything up, put you on easy street. And now all that does is just makes the competition competition that much tougher. It makes some, you know, big 10 schools decide that they can fire people regardless of cost. So, um, Good for good for uh, Josh Whitman that he's thinking and moving forward. Let me say one thing here. One thing about this Big Ten Media Days where we got to see Whitman and and talk to you know about Bruce Weber, all these things. The men and women are both there at this Big Ten Media Days. That's really the only major conference that does it this way, and it's really a good thing. And it's really impressive to me because it it almost makes some of these beat writers cover the women's team as opposed to just sitting back. And I know there's some cynicism towards some of the women's programs, but literally now all these beat writers, Hey, we're here anyway. We might as well talk to the women's. It's a really good thing by the big 10. It really, and they really get it. This is something they understood that they needed to do. And it sets them apart from all the other leagues. Hey, let's bring in the Illini gal, Adalia McKenzie joining us now from the fighting Illini women's team. Hey, Adalia, we were um, texting earlier this week and you were talking about um, that you're part of the, the leadership council. What is that? Um, so basically there's a leadership group and a few players like apply, like anyone can apply to be on a group and it's ran by coach green. It's just like leadership group. Like we talk about leadership. Um, there's a book that we're reading right now and it just started. So it's been good though. Just learning about like what to do as a leader, what's a leader, learning about our strengths and weaknesses. That's cool. How do you feel like that's, that's going to translate um, I mean, not just on the court, but even even in life. Um, I think it will really help and translate into like whatever we do so far as work. But just in life in general, it will help us be a leader in everything that we do, because without leadership, there's no success. So, you know, being a leader and knowing how to do it and knowing how to lead is like really critical to like any aspect of life. That's awesome. As we've talked before on the show and, you know, we talked with coach green a couple of weeks ago and I know she's counting on you to be one of the leaders. So not a surprise that, uh, that you're part of this, uh, this group for the fighting Illini women's team. Hey, practice is ongoing. Um, I know you were tied up last week and couldn't talk to us. Um, so it's been a couple of weeks now. How are things going with practice? Practice is going well. I'll say as a team, we're getting better. Of course, the main thing that we have been focusing on is defense because defense wins the game. That's what Coach Green always says. And Like, we're not the biggest team in the Big Ten, so we have to know how to box out and rebound and talk on D, be in gap. So, yeah, practice has been going well, getting better. Awesome. That's awesome. Do you feel like things have, um, you know, have kind of 
picked up and um, uh, become a little more intense now that you're getting closer to the season starting than it was, say, you know, even two weeks ago or, or a few months ago over the summer? Yeah, for sure. Everything's like continuing to get ramped up and more energy is required, more talk is required, more intense drills, but it's all fun though. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. I see you smiling. I know, you know, the season is getting closer. How are you doing in terms of every time we talk, I know you can't wait to get out on the, on the court. Yeah. I'm so excited. You know, just new coaching staff, new team, you know, just really like wanting to put Illinois on the map and not, I'm just tired of people like saying we're still going to be trash and they, they just don't know, but I'm really like rooting for the team and like I really trust what the coaches are doing. So I'm just really excited to just get on the court and just let it all out. Yeah, there you go. I know we can't wait to cover you guys uh, this season. Hey, before I let you go, the football team ranked for the first time. Do you guys take inspiration on where they were 18 months ago and where they are now and say, hey, we can do that? Yeah, for sure. And it's been fun going to their games and just just the excitement and the fans being there. Like, that's just something we want a lot of support and of course to win, but just having that good Illini family energy. All right. I L L I and I. All right. Adani McKenzie, we know that uh, you've got a lot going on. Good luck with uh, all your classes and with practice. And we'll talk with you next week. All right. Thank you. All right. Keep it here. And it's the Illini gal, Adani McKenzie, the fighting Illini women's basketball team. Be sure to pack the house. This season at State Farm Center as the ladies uh, take on their first season under new head coach, Shauna Green. We're back with more Rapid Fire up next on The Sports Spectacular. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Oh, some finishing touches here on the Sports Spectacular. It's been a fantastic two hours. And fellas, what great news out of Chicago this week with our man, Ayo DeSumo. Yeah, I was going to be the starting point guard for the Bulls to begin the season. Started the preseason game, so it wasn't a complete shock. But Billy Donovan comes out and, and says that he's going to be a starter. And you can see that he is, that they have confidence in him as a player. And I'm going to tell you what, Iota Sumu, starting point guard for his, he's making, don't get me wrong, he's making a nice salary. He's going to make himself a lot of money when he went, because his agent did a great job of getting this. He bet on himself getting a two-year contract, becoming a restricted free agent. He's going to get a lot of money this offseason. What I liked was when he talked about it with the press, it wasn't about I'm the starter, I'm this, I'm that. It was about the organization, thanking the organization, and talking about what the team's goals were. Uh, it's hard to you know knock him. And even on the court, he's developed uh, a, a lot more range out at the three-point you know, he uses every off season to put another piece into place. Uh, I wish him all the luck in the world. And he is on my uh, fighting Illini Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I think so, because let's, the legacy that he has left behind and continues to build. Uh, we haven't had a, a player from Illinois 
do the things that he's doing in the NBA for a really long time. And the young players coming up, see that they know this was the place where he, you know, went from uh, a high four-star guard, made himself into an all big 10 player, national player of the year draft pick. And now, like you said, about to make a whole lot of money. So Iowa and the bulls NBA season tips off next week. It's, it's hard to believe hard to believe too. that our two hours is up. We appreciate everyone who uh, jumped in Matt Brown. Again, that website, extra points, mb.com. It's 11 a.m. Kickoff from Memorial stadium. Be sure to check out Illiniguys.com for all your pregame and postgame coverage for the fellas here. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. ILL. I and I. This I has been I. a presentation of LMBC sports, LLC and JM talent productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.